Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Author Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Susan Violante, sitting in for Irene Watson with Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Alan Smith, in for Victor Volkman of Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode number 132 on our series. Tonight's topic will be how to make real money selling books, and our guest is Brian Judd from bookmarketingworks.com. You can learn more about our guests on the Author Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Also, please remember to send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Tonight we're talking with Brian Judd, the author of How to Make Real Money Selling Books and Beyond the Bookstore, describing new ways to sell more books profitably to special sales buyers. Brian is a partner in Premium Book Company, selling books on a commission-only basis to buyers in non-bookstore markets. He also conducts the series of Master of Book Marketing Seminars and Book Marketing Monthly Teleseminars. Brian is the author of the series of printed booklets with proven tips for publishing success. He is the editor of Book Marketing Matters, a special sales newsletter, and creator of the Special Sales Profit Center. He is also the host of the television show, The Book Authority, and author and narrator of the media training video, You're on the Air. Hi, Brian. How are you? Great, Susan. How are you? Pretty Thanks good. for inviting me to the show. Oh, it's great to have you. Why don't we start with what is the definition of special sales? It's, uh, most people say it's everything outside the bookstore, but that doesn't really give people a good handle on what to uh, approach. So I, uh, the easy answer is everything that's a non-bookstore sale. But I divide that in two sections. One is retail, and that could be uh, airport stores, gift shops, discount stores, warehouse clubs. And the other is non-retail, and these are corporations, associations, schools, government, military accounts. And uh, the well, those are the two major areas for, for the... Uh, the way I define the special sales marketplace. Libraries are generally included with the trade because most people go directly to the libraries and bookstores first. I've heard that special sales promotion is like being an archer with four arrows instead of one. Could you explain that to us? Sure. The the four four P's of marketing, the the product, the place, the price, and promotion. These are the four arrows in, in every author's, every publisher's quiver. And the real key is that is the product, because most people think they're selling books. <laughs> it may sound odd, but in special sales marketing, the form is a variable in the sense that people may want the book, uh, the, the content. You're, what you're doing is selling content, so they may want that in the form of a book. They may want that in the form of a DVD or a booklet. So I did a series, I wrote a series of job search books back during the 1990s, and I went to one state government, and they loved my, the content of my book, but they did a lot of workshops. As you know, a perfect pound book doesn't lay flat very well. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I put a, a spiral binding on it, and they loved the content, and they, the fact that the spiral binding allowed it to lay flat, they placed a standing order of 8,000 books every quarter just because I changed the form. Mm-hmm. So. In the product part of that, you're, the form is a variable. Think about content, not about books. Distribution is, if you think about the, the two areas in which I defined as retail and non-retail. The retail side is much like bookstores. In the sense, you go through a distribution partner. It could be a wholesaler, a distributor, for example, and the books are returnable. 
and you may get paid in 90 to 120 days. Where on the corporate side and in, in associations and government, there is no distribution network, so you have to do all the selling yourself. And pricing is uh, really a variable also. Well, in the sense of in special sales, there's a difference, be- difference between price and cost. When you're selling retail, you have a book on the shelf. It may be your fourteen ninety five or nineteen ninety five, whatever the price may be. But that is the the price. And people have a direct comparison. They can look at your book and uh, as far as the pricing, do they get what kind of value do they get versus the competitors that are right next to us? Where in the corporate world, you are looking at the um, cost. Where the price is really insignificant because in larger quantities, you're discounting the price. And then promotion is everything you do to promote your book, which could be the uh, advertising or publicity, media events. So uh, I hope it's not too long to answer your question. But I don't know. That's great. The four, those four, pro- product, place, price, and promotion. Brian, this is Alan. Could you give us some examples of some of these non-traditional markets that an author could use those four arrows? Uh, sure. Just the uh, in the, the, the state government, for example, taking the format of the the book and changing it to a spiral binding. So the content remained the same, but the the form took a, a, a was a little bit of a variable. Now the the distribution was direct. I went to the state governments. I I found out who the buyers were. I called them up. I found out what they wanted, and then created the value for them. Because so I I served functionally as my own distributor. And then the pricing was the list price of the of the perfect bound book was fourteen ninety five, but we worked up a different cost to them based on the quantity, and and based on the fact that it had a different kind of a binding, and in in, in corporate marketing, the the pricing or the, is based on the quantity, and the special in the retail trade, the pricing is the same of one book or a thousand books, so you can actually price your book a little bit lower in the corporate area and still make more money because you're discounting it above the cost. And the uh, the promotion part of that, I, I contacted, I went to the uh, the direct mail to the, once I found out how one state could use it, I did, this is before the internet, before, before email, I did direct mail to the other state governments and told them of this way to use this content, this information, the way this one state was doing it. And then I was able to uh, Sell my services as a speaker because they were using my book as a textbook for these courses. So I was, they would pay me to come there and be the uh, to address their classes, to do do a workshop, and they paid me for that. So I was able to go to local governments uh, and, and extend that. Uh, the promotion was using not too much advertising, but um, well, a different example. For example, t- the taking the same book. I thought, who else could use the same information as the uh, people in the bookstores? Well, the, it was a job search book, so who could use that information? So I took the, the, sold the, the form was the same, I sold the book, sold that to colleges. Again, I was the distributor because I went to them directly. And then the pricing was list price. They bought one book for each college, I sold 3,500 books just to colleges. So they bought the book at the list price. And then the promotion was... I was doing the direct uh, the, the presentations to the schools. I, I, was, I was doing uh, direct mail. I, I did uh, seminars. I did workshops. I, did, I worked at trade shows. I did advertising. There was a, the association for these career development officers had a quarterly book, 
and I purchased the fourth cover, the, the rear cover, and had a full-color, full-page ad on that rear cover. And I went to the trade shows, and people would say, I've seen this book before. And it, it, it softened the uh, sales exterior, so I was able to use that exposure mechanism of the advertising to pre-sell the book. So when I did the trade shows, I was able to uh, have they, they recognized my name, they recognized the title. So in those instances, everything works together, and, and you have to really plan the, how you're going to organize that for each segment. And both planning and segments are two topics that we can get to uh, hopefully tonight. But each one may or may not require a totally different marketing or a, a, an assortment of these four variables. So you mix them up and, and not you know, I mean you mix them up, but you use them in various ways in different markets. And that's, that's, that's the, the challenge of succeeding in special sales marketing because when you sell your bookstores, you get your book on the shelves, you do some bookstore events, you do some uh, media events, and hopefully sell your books. Where uh, in a non-bookstore market, it's really a, a strategic marketing effort, and it, it may be different in each different way in which you sell your books. What are some of the key benefits of selling to these non-traditional segments? Uh, the, the key, well, in the corporate world, you have the, I think, a particularly key benefit is that the books are non-returnable. So you make a sale, it's sold. And the uh, one, one reason for that is because most cases the corporate buyer will want some customization of the book. If they're going to buy uh, X thousand books and give them away, they want to make sure that they get some recognition for doing that. So they will uh, perhaps put their logo on the cover or a tip-in page. It's uh, forward by the CEO or something. So you have that uh, customization for it also. So the uh, I think that the the way that you organize all these together is um, a major difference. The fact that you have more pricing uh, flexibility is I think a major benefit. Where you can you can if you have a fourteen ninety five book you sell it at sixty uh, percent off through a distributor making six seventy three or something you're making a uh, a lesser amount. But now if you're working through selling directly to a, a college, directly to an association, you may discount at 20%. So you're making a lot more money, even if your cost remains the same. But the fact that you're printing in larger quantities really drops your cost. You can have, if you, if you print 5,000 books, it may cost a, a dollar a book. If, if you print 500, it may cost you $3 a book. So the fact that you are you're lowering your unit cost, so you're even at a lower price, you're you're more profitable. You don't have the returns. You're paid sometimes in 30 days. The corporations may prepay, so you have better cash flow. Uh, you have uh, a greater opportunities. For, you sell in bookstores. If you sell 10,000 books, you sell one book to 10,000 people. Where in, in the corporate sales, you can sell 10,000 books to one person. So there are much more economies of of uh, marketing, of production, of shipping, of all the events involved with collecting and, and organizing your, your business. So there are, are so many benefits. And, and I think that most publishers or many publishers, particularly many new publishers, totally ignore this. They think the only place to sell books is in bookstores, and that's where they go. So I think that if they look at some of these opportunities and some of these benefits in, in the retail and non-retail sector, I think you can generate uh, you, you can be more successful more quickly and and more in the long run in the special sales marketplace 
So how big is the market for the non-bookstore markets? I mean, how how big is this for the book? Uh, that's a great question. The, the most recent figures I've I've seen through 2010 that the bookstore marketplace is about 16 and a half billion dollars, which is down about three percent annually from 2007, with the it reached its peak, and it's primarily. Uh, most of that is due with to the e-books and, and just well, the economy in general is not too good, but the it's a declining market down to about sixteen and a half billion dollars. The total marketplace is about forty billion dollars for book sales. So you're looking at the at libraries and retail and non-retail about uh, twenty-four billion dollars. So it's it's much yeah. larger than the trade, and it's uh, it's growing. It's growing at about nine percent per year. Uh, let me qualify that. The the book sales are not growing 9% per year, but the total segment of selling sales promotional items to the corporate buyers and to these these non-retail buyers, that segment is increasing at about 9% per year. So you have all those other benefits that I mentioned before, plus you have an expanding marketplace, and it's it's not twice as big, but it's much larger, and it's growing. So I think that it's, again, getting back to my... <laughs> <laughs> My theme is that it's a great place to sell books. And so the the way that the industry, the book industry, has been changing, should publish, publishers sell to non-bookstore markets instead of bookstores, or uh, especially with so many independent publishers uh, nowadays? That's a, that's a great question because most people will uh, will think it's either or, and it's not. I think that it's fine to be in bookstores. I have all my books in, in bookstores. But I didn't depend on that for myself. And so I think that what I call dual distribution or maybe parallel distribution in the sense that you have your books in, in the trade, in bookstores, there's nothing wrong with that, but just recognize the fact that if they're unsold, they'll be returned, and you may get paid in 120 days. Your distributor may keep an escrow account in, uh, in the case of bad debt or returns. And uh, you have that distribution discount. It's going to take 60 to 65% of your list price. So recognizing that, but still doing that, which is fine. It's it's not bad to be in bookstores, but just it's not the place to uh, succeed and to make a lot of money because you have direct comparison. If nothing else, you have a direct comparison with all your competition, and you have all these other negatives for it. But the, the there's an opportunity in the special sales. I think that you, if you take advantage of both and have that dual distribution, I think you can have greater volume and velocity of, of your revenue and your cash flow and participate in a, a more expanding marketplace. Um, so I think that the short answer to your question is it's fine to, to do both. There, there are generally uh, non-exclusive agreements. For, for my sales, I always sell to these corporate buyers. Ours is non-exclusive. So if, if you, as the author or the publisher, want to sell to these or want to sell to retailers, that's fine. Most trade distributors will have an exclusive uh, distribution policy. So you have to check your contract with your distributor to see if you can, or with your publisher, to see if you can actually sell books to the corporate buyers, corporate marketplace, because it may be it may conflict with your your contract. The uh, most of distributors will sell, not most, many distributors will sell to a variety of retailers of, of trade of the perhaps airport stores, maybe discount stores and warehouse clubs, maybe supermarkets. So uh, there, you may already be in some of these areas with your with your trade distributor. So, so it's just really important to look at your contract, look at the exposure you already have, and then plan how you can expand that exposure into some of these other segments. 
Mm-hmm. Brian, can fiction be sold to non-bookstore markets, or are these really only for non-fiction books? That's a, another critical question, because most people think that fiction cannot be sold, and it's really not true. I think you can actually sell more fiction in certain areas of the non-bookstore marketplace. And the if you look at retailers particularly, most retailers will, will uh, fiction outsells non-fiction. For example, airport stores. People looking just for a, 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 a light book, they can read say, a, a cross-country flight. They're out of JFK and fly, flying to LAX. They want a, something that can make the flight go more quickly. So they'll pick up a, a, a novel. Uh, I think that uh, supermarkets outsell fiction outsells uh, nonfiction in, in many gift shops. And if, what, I, what I recommend is that you uh, segment your opportunities. We, we talk more about that, but just think in terms of fiction. Even in the corporate marketplace, we work with some major companies. Say you have a, say you have a romance novel, and you contact Victoria's Secret, or, you, or and you say, uh, work up a program with them in which they have a your romance novel. So if people buy X thousand dollars, X thousand, X whatever the minimum amount may be of lingerie, they get a free romance novel with it. Or going to 800 Flowers, or going to a, a gift shop, or a gift basket, or a, a hotel. Uh, even gift shops, these are a variety of gift shops. There are hotel gift shops, there are airport gift shops, there are um, hospital gift shops. So there are a variety of, of gift shops that fiction outsells nonfiction. So I think that if you look for the opportunities uh, in a corporate area, such as a Victoria's Secret or a uh, Munson's Chocolate, let's say a chocolate, I have a chocolate, or uh, Giardelli's, whatever, you go to a chocolate company. On Valentine's Day, with your romance novel, people buy a two-pound box of chocolate, they get a free copy of your romance novel with it. So by being a little bit creative, you can take that fiction and sell it to a corporate buyer where you have all these other benefits. Or you can sell it on the shelf to these uh, the gift shops and supermarkets and, and pharmacies or museums and, and zoos. Uh, children's fiction does real well. We have a program. We have a uh, large uh, shoe chain, a children's shoe stores. And when the parents get four punches in their in their punch card, they get four of these punches stamped, then they get the child gets a free book from our catalog. So they get the it can be an e-book or it can be a printed book. So there are opportunities. It's children's fiction primarily, and they get the opportunity of a printed book or an e-book. So it works for e-books also. And the so at the <laughs> I'm giving you a long answer to all these questions. The short answer is that you can sell a lot of fiction uh, if you target your opportunities. And I think all all book selling, but particularly in a non-bookstore area, starts off with a definition of your target reader. It's and finding an angle, I guess. It's it's, it's what it we, sounds like. Yeah, you, you want to find that hook. You want to find the angle. But I think it goes even more. Uh, basic than that in the sense that if you can really define your your target reader and then where do they shop hmm. and where do they look for information on that or where could they maybe you want to sell it at, at, uh, at, at uh, gift shops and, and hotels if it's for a traveler or go to the hotel we had one novel in which the uh, there's a historical fiction novel about a wagon train during a revolutionary war when the soldiers brought some cannons from uh, Boston to Fort Ticonderoga in New York and the, we went to the hotels in Fort Ticonderoga and put it in the hotel rooms. And the people liked the book. They just added it to their bill. 
We went to the historical societies, historical museums, went to the uh, different battlefields in those areas, and they sold it in gift shops. Went to the associations that have these Revolutionary War reenactments, and they used it as a uh, the fiction, the novel about this historical fiction novel about the. Uh, they used that as a premium to increase membership. So if people if people uh, renew their membership or people join the association, they get a free copy of the book. So by thinking that you have to think of your book as a, as a tool. In retail, you're selling books off the shelf, but in non-retail area, you're looking at it as a tool. How can you use your information, your content, to help the corporate buyer or the association reach their goals? Find out what the association goals are. They want to increase membership, so you find out a way that they can use your book to increase renewals or to reward people joining the association. It, it takes a little bit of creativity. It's not the, the standard put the book on the shelf and hope it sells marketing, as you hopefully you've seen by now. So it's just the uh, there are a lot of opportunities for fiction in this area. Mm-hmm. What about uh, why do businesses buy books for this kind of special market opportunity? There are a variety of lot many different ways that, that I think that the corporations don't even realize that they're so they buy promotional products. But they buy uh, glassware that can break. They buy uh, home entertainment centers, and perhaps cameras, things that, 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 that can go wrong. Apparel can rip. And books have uh, a longevity to them. They have a, 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 a durability, a permanence factor. They have passed along leadership. If you have a book and you give it to a 1,000 people, that you know you're getting a 1,000 impressions, and probably more than that because when people finish the book, they, they hand it out to others. So you get this, the greater return on your investment. You have a durable product. You have something that has um, more exposure. You have the ability to be creative. A comp- company may, uh, if you're writing, go back to fiction as an example, and your character jumps into a car. Well, name the car. Call it a BMW or a Lexus or whatever the appropriate car name would be. And then go to that company and ask them to get some pre, uh, have them sponsor your, your book and they get some pre-publication sales. So there are ways a corporation can use your book to uh, the concept of product placement, as in the movies, <laughs> that, that, that can work in a book also. If you have a book about – it can help the company increase sales. If you have a book on pet care, so you might go to Purina or Iams and have them place a coupon for your book on how to uh, handle a pet, how to uh, pet or maybe dog nourishment and have a coupon in the 20-pound bag of dog food for a free copy of your book. And so the, the companies use it for uh, increasing loyalty, increasing, uh, well, for well, the customer loyalty or employee loyalty. The, the two major con- uh, contacts that a corporate a corporation could be in marketing and then HR and human resources. So they may use your book as a educational device, as a training manual, as a a reward. You may have a $40 picture book about uh, about the company's products or about the locations in which the company has uh, offices. So you have them, uh, they may buy this and give it to the employees as a reward. We had one company that wanted to promote healthy lifestyle among its employees, and they had 10,000 employees. So because we worked with these reps who have a wide variety of products in their quiver, they have uh, all sorts of promotional items. We worked up this continuity program for these 10,000 reps. In month one, 10,000 employees, excuse me. 
In month one, each employee got a book on healthy on walking. Month two, they got a pedometer. Month three, they got a book on healthy eating. So the company was able to help the employees have a healthier lifestyle. So they were trying to reduce their health care costs. So they, there are so many different ways in which a company can use a book for reaching their objectives, but that is the key. Find out what they're trying to do and then help them do it using your book. And what we found, if, if, if you can't, they can't use your book, we'll find out what books they need, and you can serve as a rep. Go out and find a book for them and take 10 or 15% for your efforts. So there are a lot of opportunities for the author, and just by making the effort into the corporate realm that you can get the... Uh, the sales, they get the exposure, get the uh, and become a spokesperson. We have the uh, some of the um, for that company had the ten thousand employees. We made the we didn't make we offered the the company the this author who was also a good speaker, and he became the co- uh, the corporate spokesperson. And the company paid him to fly around the country and make presentations about healthy lifestyle to their employees in different divisions. So there are just there. Mm-hmm. They're unlimited. The, the, the opportunities are unlimited in the sense that if you're creative, if you have ideas for how the, the, the company can solve their problems with your content, and if they can't, offer to write the content for them. They may have a uh, the sales manager may want to have a book that has some of his or her sales techniques in it, but doesn't want to write the whole book. So offer to write a book that's basic sales, and then have them include their uh, techniques for salesmanship, and you have a, a, a captive audience. You have repeat business, you have certainly a large sale, and you get paid an hourly fee for your work for hire. So I think that it's, it back to, gets back to that concept of, of creativity, of, of being able to solve problems. You're no longer a publisher or an author. You're a consultant. You go to these corporate corporations and find out what problems do you have? What are you trying to accomplish? And how can I help you accomplish that? And it is an increasing sales, increasing company loyalty, is increasing share of market, is increasing share of wallet, is it motivating employees, all the things we talked about, and then show them how you can, as a consultant, help them reach their goals, preferably with your book, because then you get all the ancillary uh, benefits from that, but hopefully from your book, and then, and then just show them how they can do it. So what, what I'm sorry. So what I'm hearing when you say uh, you approach them as a consultant, uh, that makes them uh, even more accessible for independent um, authors and publishers. Uh, you know, there's that stigma on the bookstores, and if you don't come from the traditional publishing industry, um, you know, you have more trouble getting your books out there on the stores to sell and everything. But what I'm hearing when you're talking about approaching corporations and business as a consultant and, and showing them a, a a product or a service that you can help they can use to accomplish some goals. It makes it more accessible. Uh, this market is um, more accessible for the independent and the little um, publishers as well as the independent authors. Yeah, there are several really good points you brought up there, Susan. That they have first of all, as a consultant, you have more believability. If, they, if you come in there and they say that. You know, if the only tool that you have is a hammer, you see every problem as a nail. And if you come into a corporation and you try to solve every problem with your book, you lose credibility. But if you come in there as a consultant trying to help them solve problems, obviously you're not going to come in the door and say, hi, I'm a consultant, I want to help you. Of course. But you act as a consultant. You act as a uh, someone who's there to help them solve their problems. 
But then the other po- really good point that you brought up is the fact that you don't have to be a, a, a well-known author, or you don't have to come from only a Simon Schuster or Random House. You don't, have have, you don't have to have a big-name publisher behind you because they're looking for the content. They're looking for credible content. They're looking for uh, content that's applicable to their needs, but written by somebody who has the credentials in that area. So you, you may be a, a Ph.D. You, may, you, don't, you don't have to have the Ph.D. You don't have to have that, that degree. But if you have the experience in a particular area and you've written a book about it and you're an expert on that topic, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the content. They're looking for the information. So if you can demonstrate that you have that uh, credibility factor, then you're much more likely to get the, the uh, I should say much more likely, but you're, you're given equal consideration as coming from, Simon, from one, of the, one of the top publishers because they're, they, they want the the information. They want the content. Actually, it may even be better for you. If a company is buying a uh, gift for their employees or for their customers, they want to buy fiction for their customers, well, maybe they don't want to take the, the from something in the top ten because a lot of the customers might, customers might already have that. So if they can find some unknown author who has a good book that has the, the, the company's product's name or the product's names inside the book, well, then they're much more likely to take that. So of those two points, of those main points you put up, the idea of being a consultant and it's okay to be an, an unknown consultant with good quality content, you can, it equals the playing field because we can go up there and, and, and actually do better and we have more pricing flexibility that the, the larger publishers, are, they have exact quantity discounts or quantity breaks at which discounts are offered where we can go in there and, and negotiate. And 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 uh, you may have the, the customization. You may have the adding the customer lo- logo to the cover and a tip-in page. And you might just decide that or you you may have a designer who can do that for you at, at no charge. Or are you willing to eat the cost of that if they, if you add an extra five percent onto it or whatever? The point is that you can negotiate that, so you have a lot more flexibility. Uh, you're more the guerrilla fighter, and uh, you don't not constrained by the policies and procedures of the larger publisher. So I think those are really some good points that you made. Right. Why do you think that government is a good place to start selling books? Well, the uh, it really is. It, it's some, I think that it's a, a good place to start because people who don't like to call on the telephone, that the government are, uh, employees are, are uh, employees in the sense that they are required to be nice to you and <laughs> they're required to return your telephone call. So if you have, if you call them up and they find out, first of all, that they'll, they'll give you a return call. But second of all, if you go to a website of fedbizops.gov, it tells you information about uh, which government associ- uh, uh, agency is buying what material at what cost from whom and when. So that's a fairly nice prospect list to have. So it's easy to find information, but on the on the other side, once you get the business, then you're in that list also. So you have the uh, that uh, you're, you're in there. People are taking pot shots at you. So you've got to service the business. You have GSA. You have the SBA. These are groups that are they're uh, not sole objective, obviously, but they have uh, programs to help the individual author or individual vendor sell to the government. So they'll, they'll give you uh, one-on-one, there are PTAPs uh, that they'll give you one-on-one uh, 
consulting, coaching, to fill out the forms, who to send these to, how to send them in, how to fill them out, how to, what not to do, uh, pricing that could be beneficial to you. So there are agencies within the government that help you sell to the government. <laughs> so you have the, uh, the people that are that have to give you a call back. They, they pay well. They, if they don't pay an uncontested invoice within 30 days, they have to pay you interest. So I think that in general, it's a good place to start to get to, to get your feet wet, to call these people. You have the on the website, you can get the contact information, the names, phone numbers. It's just a that uh, from a sales perspective, it's just great to have this kind of a prospect list and have the ability to call these people. So I think that it, given all those things, I think the government is really a good place to start the uh, the sales opportunities. Brian, kind of along the same vein. Is the academic marketplace uh, another good place to start selling books? It is. And it's a real good example of the point that you need to, to subdivide an area. And people say, I want to sell my books to the academic marketplace. Well, it's, it's, it's really diverse. In a sense, you have K-12, you have public and private. You have K-12, you have uh, college, you have homeschooling, you have uh, Charter schools, you have government, government schools. The Department of Defense runs about 200 schools around the world for the families of dependents of the service personnel. So you have the so many different opportunities for the academic marketplace. You have rep groups that contact these people. We have a program called Adopt a School, where the schools are having their budgets slashed. And what we do is uh, our reps call on the corporations, the local corporations. And they front the money for the local schools to get to, to buy books from our catalog program. So they've got the the schools win because they're getting the books. The corporations get local publicity, and we get the sales. So it's a w- really a win-win situation. But the, the key of that is is subdividing that segment, coming up with the different ways of of using your book. A uh, homeschooling is a, a growing area of the academic marketplace. So I think that if you go to the State associations, national associations, I don't suggest you go to each individual city and and town. Many of these have their own homeschooling groups. But go to the, start at the top, go to the national and then work your way down and get them to to support you and and have them spread the information. You can use it as a uh, fundraiser. Go to the PTAs and get them to use your book. Again, of, of content appropriate, depending on what your book is about, they can use it as a fundraiser. Think that the 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 problem, not the problem, the 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 caution is that in the the public sector, it's really a long time to get your books uh, into the system. They have to go through many different uh, groups uh, of committees of levels to get it uh, approved, to get the content approved. You have to have uh, many. Not have to, but if you want to sell your books, you have to have teachers' aids, uh, perhaps sample tests for high school groups. They have to have a lot of these complimentary products that go along with your book. You may have to have uh, PowerPoints or overheads or uh, different items that will complement your book and sell these to the schools. They won't buy it unless they have that. Uh, Contacting the colleges is you go through a Follett or go through Nax Corp as as your uh, distribution partner or you go through direct as I did with my uh, my job search books, but if you're looking for your book to be used as a textbook, then you need to go to the the uh, professors, the, the individual professors. There's a website or a, a website called American Student List Company, and they 
they have mailing lists and email lists for almost by by teachers' names, by uh, subject, by school, by state. So you get really targeted lists. And I was so into the the college marketplace. Even get in, in the college marketplace again, subdivided. For example, your book could be used as a textbook, sold in the bookstores. For my job search books, I sold them to alumni associations for the to help the alumni get a job. I sold it to the the I went to the American Marketing Association and got the names of all the college uh, AMA chapter presidents and contacted them and sold them a case of books, fifty percent off, non-returnable that they used as a fundraiser. I thought, who? needs the information about getting a job not who needs it who wants the student to get a job more than the student does the parents I did a direct mail program to the parents of graduating seniors went to the American Student List Company got this list of the parents of graduating college seniors did a direct mail program both T's are on the envelope you just spent $60,000 putting your kid through college what's another $49.95 I didn't say it that way (laughs) but (laughs) But but those T's are on there just to get their attention and uh, they had the, the income, the discretionary income. They had the need to get the kid a job and out of the house. And I, I just did a bundle. I, I packaged the, uh, my two books and a video that I did, sold these to the parents, and sold tens, tens of thousands of these books to the parents. So that's all these things that when you say the academic marketplace, that's uh, the several con- concepts I brought up there, the fact that Subdivide, subdivide, subdivide. Don't try to sell it to everything because people buy for different reasons and different ways, and they have different opportunities. The more closely you can divide your opportunities, the I think the more I think the smaller you make your target, the more money you make. It sounds like an oxymoron, but it, it, the more specific you can meet the need of a particular marketplace, the more likely that they are to buy. So if you Promote your book. It's, a, it's like Susan addressed this before. It's, it's the, the hook that you're trying to get across. If you can get that hook that's appropriate to the buyer, then that, that's where you, you get the uh, the awakenings. Oh yeah, now I see what you mean. That yeah, that that can help. And when you get them to think that, to get the buyer to think that, then you've got the sale. And it's just the, the more closely you can identify your promotion with their need, the more likely you are to get that uh, aha moment and make the sale. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's it's a great um, tip, Ryan. I'm so glad I was sitting in um, for Irene. I took a lot of notes from you, actually. <laughs> but uh, but unfortunately, we're getting to that time where we have to say goodbye. And um, uh, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. And I'm sure our listeners are going to find a well of information from this interview. Oh, great! I hope so. And thank you very much for having me on your show. There you go, listeners. Uh, You've been listening to another podcast edition of Author Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next installment of Authors Access, publishing articles on Amazon featuring Kate Harper. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is the joint production of Reader Views and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, I'm Susan Violante in for Irene Watson. And for Loving Healing Press, I'm Alan Smith in for Victor Volkman, and we wish you all a good evening. <laughs>